Welcome to my first five years podcast. If you're listening to this bonus episode, make sure you've listened to our episode on food and nutrition with our specialist paediatric dietitian, Lucy Upton. She has loads of tips on what kind of things you can feed your children and how to handle fussy eating and things like weaning. And whilst we're chatting to Lucy, the subject of choking came up. Probably your worst nightmare as a parent and something I've had experience of, it's really scary in the moment. Because we all have a lot to say on this subject, we thought it was easier to make an extra bonus episode for you so that we could really focus in on what to do on that situation and how to avoid some common choking hazards. The NHS and the St John's Ambulance website also have some really good information for what to do in an emergency if your child is choking. So Lucy, how do we recognise what is a choking hazard? And I will follow that question up with how do we recognise choking versus gagging? Yeah, Um, really good question. So the one thing I would say to remember is think about your baby's windpipe, essentially, and and what sort of size that would be, and Mm -hmm. which is very, very, very small. And what you're looking for in terms of avoidance is something that is going to easily block that tube. So actually Mm -hmm. long stick shaped things don't, unless they break off into a solid chunk. So that's why, for example, we wouldn't say give, you know, strips of raw apple, because actually if they did get a chunk off that and didn't have the skills to chew what was left in their mouth, that is potentially a choking risk. Mm -hmm. However, you know, a soft bit of apple or a something that's soft or meltable or that they can break down easily in their mouth and their gums even without teeth would be absolutely mm-hmm. fine so long stick shaped foods are actually quite helpful I'm st- sitting here wag- waggling my fingers at you saying sort of two adult finger size is quite good they should be able to grasp it they'll have that nice palmer grasp to begin with rather yeah. than yeah. a pincer grip and it's got to be big enough that they can like get it in their hands and there's a little bit poking out of the top so that they mm-hmm. can basically feed themselves and that is, is a good way of testing for first finger foods if you're doing sort of fruit or veg as an example is that if you apply some pressure between your thumb and forefinger I can't believe I just got that out without going um, (laughs) it should mush really really easily it should not apply a lot you should apply minimum pressure and it will go mush and as I said I mentioned previously it's probably the way we wouldn't choose to eat our vegetables yeah (laughs) that's a good rule of thumb yes in terms of things to avoid other than sort of hard vegetables that might break off you're thinking of anything that's sort of would be would be round and hard and get stuck in their airway so things like hard nuts um so whole nuts we'd always say you'd be introducing nuts very well ground or in kind of nut butter form nice and smooth um Mm -hmm. The things that always make me smile on these lists are things like marshmallows, sweets, and they're probably not foods I'd recommend giving in weaning Shouldn't anyway. Shouldn't really be on the list anyway. <laughs> no. Um, or anything like sort of firm and round. So actually, you know, I wouldn't recommend if you, for example, if you gave I know, a very low salt sausage, I wouldn't recommend that was cut into rounds because, again, yeah. it's quite a challenging texture and it's that perfect shape and size to block an airway. The same with things like grapes and cherry tomatoes and even some of these mega blueberries you see these days. You know, those will need squashing and or chopping into halves or quarters to make sure that they're the right size for your baby. And then that difference between choking and gagging, which is often misunderstood. Yes, um, and very much so. Gagging, I'd be surprised to say, like I would be very surprised if it didn't freak out most parents at some point. Oh, absolutely. I remember <laughs> it really vividly. Yeah. I remember with my nephew, and bear in mind, I'm very, I'm, you know, CPR trained and I've done this for years, and I was like, Same, ooh, yeah. ooh, this ooh. isn't nice to watch, is it? Okay, mustn't go and intervene. So 
The thing about gagging, as horrifying as it can be to watch, is actually a very normal part of learning to eat. And babies are remarkable at sorting it out themselves. And in fact, that's Mm -hmm. what we want them to do. We want them to learn how to maneuver food in their mouth, get that tongue moving so that if something has gone to a part of their mouth, they don't want it or it doesn't feel right, that they push it back out again. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's often much more pronounced um, for babies because the gag reflex is so much further forward. And with eating and experience, generally the gag reflex regresses backwards in the mouth and throat. So mm-hmm. they won't continue, most children and babies won't continue gagging to the same extent. They'll be learning how to manage We say food. that about so many child development <laughs> things that, you, you know, it's very, very rare that you'll see someone sat at a restaurant yeah. that's still yeah. doing that. We, it's still it's a phase. Most things a are a phase. phase. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's a learning phase. And babies who gag let you know about it. They can be quite loud and dramatic about it. They often go red in the face. They might get watery eyes. Um, so I'm always, uh, you know, there's that lovely phrase, and they're loud and red, like you basically leave them to it. It's when they're quiet and blue that they need help from you. And, and mm-hmm. if you think about physiologically what's happened if a baby's airway has got occluded or partially occluded is that they're going to be struggling for their breath and they're going to be struggling for oxygen. So they mm-hmm. won't be red. They will be losing color from their face. They might be coughing and spluttering quite a lot, or they might be very, very, very quiet. Mm-hmm. And that is when a child needs, you know, immediate help, immediate, you know, um, essentially life support to make sure that you can get and dislodge what's going on. So that's, you know, but, you know, generally for babies gagging, please don't go fishing for food in their mouth or trying to take it out because that actually poses more of a risk of them choking than letting it work, you know, letting them work it out themselves. I think it is one of those high anxiety things that all parents have yeah, gone through absolutely. and all parents have witnessed. And it is that moment where you, this is fine, this is fine, I'm, I'm calm. Okay. No, it's I'm not, not fine. It's okay, I'm not, oh yes, they're fine, they're fine. I'm good, they're fine. And it's that sort of constant yeah, yeah. state of, yeah. yeah. But, and it's um, one of those things that even when you know the theory behind it, it still is quite distressing because it's, 100%. You know, yeah, but, as Lucy has said yeah, herself, even yeah. though she's expert in all yeah, this, she's yeah. still, still yeah, it's sometimes difficult to watch. Thanks again to Lucy Upton for sharing all her expert tips. Given we know it's one of parents' biggest fears, if you want to know more about um, choking and what to do, if you were concerned that your child was choking so that you could act quickly, there is lots of great content on the St John's Ambulance website and also on the NHS.